Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing today? Hey, we, uh, we're we doing great here. We spent our first weekend not in the hospital for oh. about a month and a half. So, uh, and actually got to go to the lake. My daughter and her husband have a new boat and, um, and of course, our new granddaughter. And it was a huge blast. We went and saw some waterfalls, all kinds of stuff. Oh, man, I'm jealous. Uh, can't wait for the pictures. More at 11. Uh, 11 newscasts. Is that, Greg, you didn't take any pictures? Oh, man. All right. I think it did. <laughs> well, it's, we will. If not, somebody did. I'll okay. commandeer some pictures. <laughs> Please do. Send those this way. Folks, hopefully y'all had a, as much of a nice weekend as Greg just had. Uh, you're in for a treat here today. So today, as always, it's the Supply Chain Buzz, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. As always, as Greg knows and Jose and Josh and Donna all know, we're going to be discussing a variety of news and developments across global business. And we've got a big guest, Greg, a big repeat guest in Lee Klaskow with Bloomberg Intelligence. Greg, he's got a variety of nicknames, doesn't he? Yeah, tons of uh, logistics, Lee. Right. I think his, I think his wife had made a good case for logistically. Huh? Um, and oh, so much more than logistics, Lee. That's right. Right. And then again, there's just Lee. And I think you mentioned like LK3000 or something like that. <laughs> That's right. Right. That is right. That's his rap name. Right. <laughs> well, hey. He's going to join Outcast later. That's right. Oh, man. Shaking it like a Polaroid. Lee is going to be back with us here in just a little bit. Uh, to give us his take on four stories we're going to be walking through, okay? Uh, including, un- kidding aside, including the latest with Yellow. Uh, so, of course, yeah. many of y'all saw the developments there over the weekend. But, hey, we want to hear from you. So give us your take in the comments throughout the show. And, Greg, if folks are listening to the podcast replay, which we usually drop on Fridays, what would you suggest they do? Listen on Monday live. Um, and also, of course, subscribe. That's right favorite us, whatever your podcast uh, vehicle does, or check us out on YouTube, because I bet people are wondering what you look like, Scott. <laughs> Maybe. Where does his face match his boy? <laughs> Maybe. I don't want to let anybody down, Greg. Trying hard, not let anybody down. Well, it's not, you know, it's not, it's always surprising, it seems like. You're like, ah, oh, figured he was older, younger, <laughs> right. taller, right? Whatever. Oh, man. You never Every know. Line. Digital twins, you never, never know. But hey, uh, Greg, we've got a full house today, full house for a big show with a great repeat guest. Let's say hello to a few folks. Josh is tuned in from Seattle. Human and heat makes me think I'm back in South Carolina, Josh says. Hang in there, man. We have Jose tuned in from Southern California. How you doing, Jose? You better be down there. Uh, no kidding. Probably pretty toasty. <laughs> Donna, good morning from hell in Houston, she says. Amen. The only city in America that has more humidity than Boca Raton. (laughs) Oh, let's see here. Yeah, Josh points out the uh, U.S. uh, women's national soccer team loss on penalty kicks. Yeah, oh, that was disappointing. See the last one, the very last one. They had to use a camera to assist with the call. Really confirm the call. Yeah, it was that close. Man. Yep. Uh, See, Liz is also tuned in in Houston. Natalie's back with us from Charlotte. Good to see you, Natalie. Uh, T squared. Who holds down the fort for us on YouTube says, bring on the nourishment and toss me a rain jacket because them storms are coming to hit Baltimore hard. Is that right, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we got nailed in Atlanta yesterday. I was at Ted's Montana Grill and I was at the bar and got caught in a downpour. Wow. Okay. But there's a whole slew of storms coming through. Atlanta is on the very southern end of them, but Nashville and it looks like Virginia and, um, Maryland and Delaware and way up the coast. We'll have to ask Lee if he's in the path. I'm not sure okay. how it goes that far north, but yeah, going to be some All big right. ones. Batting down the hatches there, buddy. Uh, see Catherine tuned in from rainy Connecticut via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Catherine. Well, Michelle. I guess that answers that question, doesn't it? <laughs> right. 
Michelle from Chicago, and Gino, our dear friend Gino from North Alabama. Great to see everybody. If I skipped over everybody, y'all keep it coming. Uh, we want to hear your take as we mix it in with Greg and Lee's as we work, work through these four stories. But first, Greg, mm. but first, mm. you know, we're out on the hunt for really good resources to help folks in the good fight. And I had another graphics issue, Greg. So let me see. Um, hey, picture this. As I get my graphics working, Greg, I love <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to paint a the- picture. All right, let's um, test your wordplay. Speak about the value. As we're talking about resources, the value of the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index oh, yeah. for Q2 2023. And then I'm going to get this popped up in just a minute. So take it away, Gregory. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I had to miss that this this uh, quarter. Um, I missed doing it. Yes. But we had um, Dino Constantine Limbarakis sit in and do a great job. He's an incredible analyst as well and um, and talk through what the facts were of that thing, but also how people use it. So we got to hear a little bit about how people use it, which I think is really important. I'd be fascinated uh, for two things, Scott, now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. Uh, one, to kind of get Lee's take on that, right? I mean, he has yeah. given his take before, been actually on the quarterly show where we've done that, but maybe get his point of view because nobody, and no joke, his his nickname is with good reason. No one is more connected to what's going on in logistics than than Lee is. Um, but also, Scott, a little bit of selfish um, motivation here. Yes. You know, U.S. Bank is the yes. main sponsor for the um, stadium that the Minnesota Vikings play in. And can you think of anyone's favorite team that might be playing the Vikings in Minnesota this season who might want some the Chiefs. nice... That's right. How about the cheating? <laughs> um, who might want some, you know, shame? Here's my shameless plug. I might want some tickets to that game. That would be fun. <laughs> who knows? That's who knows? On this show, so <laughs> Matthew from Dubai may come in and and hit that need for tickets. We'll see. Or Anupam from India. Who knows where the tickets may may come from? I love, Matthew- the, I love that we get to see the correct spelling of Col- Kolkata. Which <laughs> I grew up. S- seeing the English interpretation, Calcutta. Yes. Right. I love that all those names, since they've gotten really independent of England, all those names mm. have kind of gone back to more traditional spelling. Mm. Agreed. That's great. I'm an eagle eye. Excellent point, uh, Greg. Um, one last note, folks. One last note as we were talking about the uh, U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index. It's free to get your own copy. Right. It comes out each quarter. You can go to freight.usbank.com or you can hit the link that we dropped in the chat and you're not going to want to miss it. And uh, I'm sure Amanda and Catherine, thanks for all the work you do behind the scenes. I bet they'll drop a link to the live stream where you can hear our hour long commentary and analysis of the most recently released Q2 2023. Uh, and I tell you, Greg, you hit the nail on the head. Lee, I think when Lee joined us, that record went platinum. Because Lee <laughs> Lee hit the mark as he always does. We'll see if he's got it hanging up in his studio in New That's York. Right. <laughs> Signed. Um, all right. Other resources. Other resources, folks. Over the weekend, we had a very popular edition of our With That Said newsletter. Yeah. And Greg, we probably gained, I don't know, 100 subscribers over the weekend because we hit this. This um, We offered up several tips on selecting the right training or certification uh, uh, partners. And folks, not only check this out. But let us know your tips for selecting the right training and certification partners. Greg, you know, training and certification, that whole professional development sector is billions and billions um, in terms of, you know, uh, market size. And unfortunately, a lot of folks, you know, they get sold or they or they go with the first provider. Or they don't do their homework or you name it. But, man, there's a lot of great providers out there that do exactly what what you you know what they you expect them to do and then there's a lot of bad actors out there like any other industry your quick thought on the training and certification industry yeah i think it's time for a big change there i mean there are well established and highly respected and accepted and almost demanded certifications in supply chain for instance i'm thinking solely of supply chain yep um and and yet there's a difference between being highly demanded um and and well-respected and actually being valuable to the work that you do every day. I've even talked to multiple, this is a real challenge for, for, uh, a lot of universities who provide supply chain degrees that 
because of the rigor that's required in in uh, academia, that yep. sometimes what they're teaching is ages, a decade almost old, sometimes right. more. Um, and that's true with some of the certifications that exist out there. So I think one of the things that's important to note is there is the difference between getting that training for what you have to have to be considered credible and getting that training that sets you up to be successful in your job now and into the future. Mm. Uh, you know, not pitching anybody, but a lot of the industry certifications in supply chain are, they're, val they're a valuable baseline, but a lot of what they're teaching is outdated and doesn't apply to something we talk about all the time, which is this vast uh, abundance of robust data. They deal with methodologies that have focused on the way supply chain used to be when you had to guess at everything because there wasn't so much robust data that could indicate more effectively right. what needs to be done in supply chain. And there are providers out there that I won't name, but I will if you ask me. <laughs> um, I mean, if, seriously, if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll let you know who I trust. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's much, much more modern and much more flexible. Right. So you have to kind of weigh that old rigor to the new... Uh, adaptability of, of training these days. And I think you really ought to consider both. And yes. there are big changes coming in, in training where you can get it via subscription. It doesn't cost you $1,100 for every test or mm. whatever it is these days, um, where the, that training is very valuable and applicable today. Yes. Well said, Greg, as always folks check out with that said, uh, I think we dropped three or four really universal rules of thumb, regardless really what you're looking at. But most importantly, starting with the first one, knowing what success looks like and working backwards from there. Um, all right. So y'all check that out. And then finally, folks, we've got a great show coming up uh, next week with our dear friends at Esker and Dr. Morgan Swink from Texas Christian University, home of a wonderful supply chain uh, program there. We're going to uh, be yeah. offering up key findings, actionable findings from TCU's working capital report, which is based on leadership input from I believe hundreds of C-level leaders from across industry that uh, we're going to drop the link, but that's uh, August 16th at 12 noon Eastern time. Whew. All right, Greg, yeah. a lot going on, a lot going on. So folks buckle up. We're here to deliver resources and proven been there, done that analysis, expertise, and a whole bunch more. So with that said, Greg, are you ready to bring on our dear repeat guest, one of our favorites here around here? Are you ready? I am. Let's do it. Let's buckle up. We'll bring in uh, one of our dear friends, one of industry's go-to analysts for all things transportation and logistics for sure. We'll welcome in Lee Klaskow, Senior Analyst, Transportation and Logistics at Bloomberg Intelligence. Lee, how are we doing today? I'm good. I like that transition. Zoom. <laughs> that is officially called the swoosh, and that is the star of the show. Is it not, Greg? It is. And, uh, you know, few people have been honored with that. And very few as often as you have, Lee. So welcome back. That is right. Well, I, I appreciate that. And don't sell yourself short. I don't think you guys are the stars of the show. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, LK3000. Um, yep. Hey, Wait, Lee. Wait, 4,000. <laughs> uh, we're rolling uh, out some model updates. We're, we're, we're awaiting an upgrade. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, Lee, great to have you back. Oh, we love your analysis as we've been bragging and your ears have been burning, but also enjoy your sense of humor. Um, and before we get into, uh, as you're dialed in from uh, your New York um, New York offices, highfalutin, I wish we were doing this over a delicious lunch at one of the restaurants up there next time. But I what I want to start with, speaking of New York, is the Giants. You're a big New York Giants fan. Now, what is, before we get into the four stories, what is your bold, fearless prediction yeah. for what the Giants season is going to look like coming up? They will not be the worst team in the NFC East. <laughs> okay. All right. That's pretty bold. Um, you know, it'll be pretty interesting to see how, how well they do this year. Uh, it was fun. I got to go to uh, a training camp uh, uh, last week with my son. He got wow. to get a lot of uh, players, uh, you know, sign, sign footballs and stuff like that. Um, most of the players that were signing stuff were the uh, the wide receivers and, and the uh, the offensive line. So it was, it was pretty cool to see the huge offensive line and some of the tiny wide receivers that are like, hey, maybe I could play in the NFL, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Lee, we asked him, he delivered Greg. So the Giants aren't expected to be then the worst team in the NFC East. Greg, your thoughts on either the Giants or, of course, your beloved Kansas City Chiefs. 
Well, I hope the Giants aren't the worst because I always hope one team is the worst in the NFC East. Um, but I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> I was thinking about the demographics of our listener audience today, and I'm thinking I don't want to mess with got, a certain state. That's right. We got California represented, Gray, or I guess uh, it's not California. Well, it's not there. California. No. Yeah. Don't you worry about what okay. it is. <laughs> okay. Don't try to narrow it down before. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, so, all right. So we got the Giants. We got the Chiefs. I'm not going to mention the Falcons, but what I'm going to mention before we move on is Glee. I was thinking the other day about those late 80s, early 90s Giants teams. You know, Mark Bavaro, I think, was the one of the tight ends. Phil Sims, Otis mm-hmm. Anderson, right? The, oh, yeah. uh, the running back that was just OJ. In, uh, just so durable. Um who else, Lee? As you think back through some of your Giants' favorite teams, what's one of your favorite players? And then we're gonna move on. Uh, probably Meggett. Yeah, he oh, was like a, he was Meggett. like a third yeah, down cool. back. He was like uh, this little guy, and he was always, yeah. He was always came through in a clutch. Okay, he did a little bit of returning too, didn't yes. he? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, he was that? slick as snot on a doorknob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yum. Oh, I love that. I thought about Dave Meggett in a long time. It's a great pool. Uh, Jose is also a big Giants fan, so we'll have to get Jose and Lee hooked up. in San Diego? Oh, well, yeah. That would would make you a Giants fan. Uh, Uh, And going back to what we were talking about earlier before we move on is uh, Donna was asking about certification tips uh, and wants to drop. So let's drop Greg's LinkedIn uh, there, and we'll see if uh, Don and Greg can hook up and talk about uh, certification and training tips and stuff like that. Since Greg asked, and and Don is stepping I up, I offered. And, that's right. I will deliver. <laughs> yes, you will. So Lee and Greg, we got a lot of stuff to get in here today. And kidding aside, I hate to start with um, the worst news, but you know you can't say none of us saw this coming. So, uh, of course, over the weekend, uh, Bloomberg, as reported here by Bloomberg. Yellow has officially declared bankruptcy. Uh, The company's CEO, Darren Hawkins, said in a statement, quote, it is with profound uh, disappointment that Yellow announces that it is closing after nearly 100 years in business, end quote. The Nashville-based company's decision to close now sadly leaves some 30,000 employees without jobs. But good news here, Yellow and the American Trucking Associations, the ATA, are launching an effort to help employees find work. Uh, and we're going to drop that link in the chat. So, Lee, I want to start with um, you know uh, this ongoing development with Yellow. Give us your your take on on what we've seen and, and what's next. Yeah, sure. I mean, to your point, it's been twenty plus years in the making. Um, it's kind of like watching a, a train, um, you know, train train crash. Um, mm. It just you just you just know it's it's going to happen eventually. Um, you know, it really stems from some poor acquisitions that just weren't properly integrated. Uh, I believe it was 2003, they bought Roadway. Um, you know, usually when you do an acquisition, one and one should equal more than two. Uh, mm-hmm. Here it was less than two because they just kept the networks the same. You'd have a Roadway facility across from a, a yellow facility and they might be both operating well below capacity. And, you know, given the work rules uh, from the union, it was really tough to integrate it. Um, so, you know, we, we would we would really say that there's enough blame to go around on why this happened. Uh, and, and the sad thing is that, you know, most less than truckload um, companies, when they're in financial problems and they have to file bankruptcy, it's always usually always a liquidation versus a restructuring because, you know, it's almost like a run on the bank when shippers mm-hmm. get word or get feel that, you know, their freight might be in jeopardy. They're not going to use that carrier and LTL networks are very uh uh, you know, asset intensive. So there's that deleveraging effect. So a company that wasn't making much money is actually now losing even more money uh, because they're not able to uh, cover their, you know, they're, 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 it, it's harder for them to cover those fixed costs. Mm. Uh, and so that, you know, that's what we've seen. Um, you know, it's a shame. I, I think that, you know, if they had the foresight, they might've been able to spin out a couple of the, their regional networks like New Penn, um, you know, we all know Saya, uh, Saya, uh, you know, that, that is a spinoff from, from yellow from, uh, a long time ago. Huh. So, you know, there, there could have been some, some goodness, good coming out of it, but I think we're well past, uh, that point. Um, and you know, the, the, the kind of the last straw is when the, in the teamsters threatened to strike, uh, over yellow saying they weren't going to be able to make a pension payment. And I think that was like the last straw for shippers. 
they started, you know, looking for alternatives to divert their freight uh, because a they need their stuff delivered, and b they right. were they were afraid that their freight might get stuck within the yellow network and not able to or be very expensive to get it where it needs to go. And so that's been a great opportunity for a lot of the um, uh, the, the competitors, um, the Bloomberg Intelligence less than truckload uh, peer group is up over 80% this year. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good return, uh, and that's in the face of you know declining volumes. So mm-hmm. you know the ones that are left standing uh, are you know could kind of cherry pick what freight they want because not everything that Yellow carries um, you know an XPO or a FedEx freight or a, you know an ArcBest they're not necessarily going to want to take all that freight because some of it. Um, might not be palletized, which is you know something that you know uh, most LTL carriers prefer because it's it's easier. Uh, and then also they you know yellow is also known for carrying things that might have higher cargo claims like hmm. you know like glass or TVs, things that kind of you know have a higher uh, probability of breaking in transit just because of things getting moved around. Um, and, and so it'll be very interesting to see. You know, yellow had about 6.8, 6.9% of uh, the share of shipments, at least that's huh. last year. Uh, obviously, that has declined this year. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of market share up for grab, and you're seeing that in, like, the stocks that we cover. Uh, you know, uh, we, we cover XPO and, and Old Dominion, specifically at Bloomberg Intelligence. Um, and then, you know, we, we follow, uh, we also cover FedEx, so FedEx Freight. Uh, they have a big LTL uh, business. Uh, and there are other public carriers that we don't cover, but you know we we follow from a tangential basis, uh, right. like like a SEA and an ArcBest and a TFI. Uh, Lee, that is quite. That's why we call him Logistics Lee, folks. What a great, well-rounded, uh, holistic uh, take on what's going on. Uh, Greg, before I hit you, I want to get your your thoughts here. Uh, as I mentioned, we're sharing this uh, job initiative that the ATA is partnering with former Yellow Employees Alliance. Y'all check that out. If nothing else, share it. Get the word out. Let's help these folks. And Josh, man, talk about the human component here. One of my dad's buddies, Josh, says lost his pension there. So, Greg, your thoughts on what's going on with Yellow? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I have more questions than answers, frankly. Uh, But I think, Lee, you covered it really well that this has been coming for a long time. I think back to when I was a kid, I will miss that logo. I can't lie. I think about when I was a kid driving down the highway, those trucks were so identifiable, just yellow and black. That's it. Right. So, um, but it, it has been a disaster for decades there. And, um, and I think you enunciated it pretty well there, you know, there's enough blame to go around and this kind of goes to a, a bigger thing that happens in companies when the management isn't invested enough in the company. They'll run the company to keep their jobs for as long as they can and then burn it to the ground. I mean, it does happen, right? This is why when people invest in companies, they want, and, and there's a lot of controversy around this, they want the management to have a, a significant stake in the company because it's in their best interest. And sometimes they're deferring their multi-million dollar salaries. Sometimes they're not mm-hmm. for for growth in the shares of the company, which aligns them much more clearly with the good of the company. So, um, I, I can't even say that that was the case here, but it just made me think of those kind of scenarios where people kind of ride these things, keep a job. But, Hmm. um, but you know, I, I actually have a question more than a comment and that is, um, what do you think the absorption rate of these 30,000 jobs will be considering this, you know, the state of shortage of drivers, for instance, and, and other, uh, talent in this industry, but also the kind of the conditions of LTL freight. I mean, do you think, is is this a, um, net benefit Mm. to the market or to these people other than things like losing pensions and probably weeks or months of salary? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I'd I'd love to hear more about the, the, you know, the viewer that said that, uh, about the lost pension, because the end of the day, the pensions are guaranteed by the government. So, um, and the government's going to get paid their $700 million back. And it's a, yeah. And, and, and the Teamsters, uh, yellow is part of the multi-employer pension plan. So it has other companies that are contributing to it. Uh, so I'd love to learn more about like what happened to that individual. Cause as far as I know, 
um, you know, th these people that have been working hard and, you know, paying into this pension plan, they, they should be getting their benefits. Mm. Uh, maybe they're not getting their full benefits because their employment is stopping and they're not working, you know, 30 years, they're only working 10 years. I mean, right. that, that's, that's possible. Um, but they should be getting something I, 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 I would imagine. And to your point, you know, a lot of truck drivers, you know, they're going to be absorbed because, uh, you know, uh, maybe, Maybe, you know, they're going to need um, the other LTL carriers are going to need line haul um, uh, drivers are going to need pickup and delivery drivers in local markets. Um, and, you know, you don't know what is really going to happen from this because like and so yellow goes out of business you know, no one's going to buy all of their assets. Like no one wants them. Right. Because I mean, yellow has yucky trucks. They're old. Uh, <laughs> they have, I mean, their equipment's old. I mean, you look at, you look, you look at the road, you know, a lot of their trailing equipment looks like it's like, you know, one leg or one axle into the grave. Mm. Um, and so anyway, so no one's going to buy, buy all their assets, but you could have like a night swift that's, you know, looking to expand their LTL footprint. They've done it with two acquisitions of two regional carriers. You know, they might try to build out that regional network with acquisitions of facilities. And if you're going to be buying, uh, you know, when I'm not, I'm not talking about they're going to be buying 10, 20, 30 facilities, you know, like one off, you know, you're going to need people uh, in those facilities. So there, there are going to be some jobs. Um, the truckload market, as, as you guys know, there's, there's, there's a high turnover. There's always a demand for good, safe drivers. Um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, and I think a lot of these folks will, will, um, land on their feet. Um, you know, but obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've been laid off before. Uh, so I, I know the stresses that, that, that it's induced of like not knowing the unknown, right. but you know, yeah. uh, I think there, I think a lot of them will get absorbed, uh, doing very similar things to what they were doing prior. Mm. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, there's 6.8, 6.9% of shipments that are up for grabs. Right. Uh, the the other LTL carriers are going to need people, and listen, a lot of those LTL carriers are running uh, below capacity because you know they're they're kind of waiting for the uptick in demand, so they didn't lay off uh, during this downturn. Uh, maybe they're dealing with headcount through attrition and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but I think there's going to be an opportunity, uh, you know, uh, for for most of them, it's thirty thousand folks, and you know, maybe uh, maybe some of them just will decide, hey, it's it's time for me to retire. I've I've worked hard enough, uh, long mm. enough. I, I really appreciate uh, you both weighing in, Lee. Of course, um, really appreciate your take on what's going on with Yellow. We're gonna, you know, um, that is. The, let's end on that optimistic note. There's lots of folks that'll be looking for the talent. I love what ATA is doing to help facilitate those conversations that got to take place. So we'll keep our finger on the pulse. And folks, again, share that. Help help make these conversations happen so that uh, these thirty thousand folks can find a way to make ends meet. Okay. I got to shift gears. Got to shift gears because um, also in the news here recently, the West Canada or the Canadian West Coast port workers, as reported by our friends at CNBC, the votes are in. They've been tallied and they say yes to the ratification of a labor deal. The first deal, as you all know, Greg and Lee and all of our friends out there, was rejected. The second deal, though, did the trick. A 14-day labor strike by dock workers, however, has backed up freight at ports in Vancouver and Prince Rupert. Say that right, Rupert. Prince Rupert. Uh, it's expected yep. to take. <laughs> it's expected to take uh, the railroads about two months or more to clear out the backlog of containers, though. Now, here's a number for you, Greg and Lee, everyone out there. At the peak of the strike, right, some twelve billion dollars of goods were floating and stuck on vessels outside Canadian ports. Lee, before I get your take here, I was trying to think where. I'd heard last heard the name Rupert other than this port. And I think it was Stewie's bear on Family Guy was named Rupert, if I'm not mistaken, Lee and Greg. Uh, anyway, Lee, tell us about your take here on the vote and what's to come next. Yeah, well, first, I just want to say I liked your first news source. I thought that was the better news source. Than uh, the second news. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, they're great. Um, no, uh, you know, the, obviously, this is uh, Prince Rupert, actually. I've, I've been there a couple of times uh, with some uh, analyst days from Canadian National, and that's a, that's a port. Uh, it's within 50 miles south of Alaska, I believe, uh, and it's, 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 it's pretty fa fantastic. Um, Newport uh, has a plenty of room for expansion, and uh, Canadian National is the only railroad that kind of services it. So it's a it's a real um, differ differentiator for uh, for CN. Um, 
all that being said, I mean, this is like this, these last couple of years have been, you know, the uh, year of labor. You know, they've just had a great opportunity to flex their muscle, rightfully so. Um, you know, inflation is, is, is extremely high. Their, their cost of, you know, their, 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 with their purchasing power has declined a lot. And, you know, they were pretty instrumental uh, during the pandemic. You know, they were considered essential workers all across the world and, you know, helped us get toilet paper when there was none, uh, <laughs> which I appreciate. Uh, I was tired of using uh, it, newspapers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, so th this, this is, um, this is going to create, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. So like I cover all different modes of transportation and there's been one dislocation after the next. And this is just another dislocation that's going to take some work to work through. Um, luckily for CN, um, you know, it, a print, port of Prince Rupert. I mean, some of the freight was probably diverted to other ports, maybe into the U.S., um, but they're going to move that stuff eventually, you know, call it maybe they'll move 80% of what they were supposed to move and it'll take time. Uh, you know, you've seen, um, you know, the intermodal number has been pretty poor uh, uh, for the Canadians and some of that has to do with the impact of Vancouver uh, and, 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 and Rupert. So, you know, it's, it's a net positive. Um, you know, you saw, like we were talking about labor, you know, you saw it with the, the UPS, um, you know, uh, Teamsters uh, getting, you know, a pretty good contract. A lot of the, the railroads getting uh, additional um, benefits, you know, whether it's as, as crazy as it sounds like time off for being sick, um, things of that nature. Uh, so, so it's really been, you know, the year of, of, of labor, I would say. Uh, and that's going to increase costs for shippers, you know, because I know yes. a lot of your listeners are shippers. Uh, because guess what? If you're a railroad or if you're a trucking company and you have to pay your people more, you still need to uh, get a certain return. So you make those reinvestments into assets and that's going to come at higher rates. So uh, it's almost like a, a snowballing effect. You know, they're, you know, they're having to raise rates because labor is, uh, is is demanding more money and that's inflationary and then the 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 transportation provider then has to charge the shipper more money and that's inflationary um, you know but but the good news it seems like the fed is, is doing a pretty good job at raising rates and and it seems like you know the, the worst of inflation is behind us uh, and and rates you know might stop uh, and you know they might stop raising rates uh, pretty soon okay and we're going to talk about uh inflation more in uh an article in, in a few minutes here hey greg before i get you to weigh in uh lee one of add to add to all the folks are going to be paying mo pay more if you've been shipping with yellow going back to the first story and moving that uh, book of business you're going to be paying more most likely uh lee quick question do you do you happen to know you may not know offhand but how long the deal is that has just been ratified do you happen to know how many years at the ports uh, yes yes uh, I don't, but if I had a guess, it's probably five years. Okay. Is that okay? So that's a no, pure guess. So don't go. Okay. <laughs> all right. So Greg, uh, that might be a guess, but all the other expertise and goodness Lee has delivered by the truckload is not yeah, your thoughts, literally. Greg. Uh, yeah. I think, um, I, I don't think this is necessarily a condition of, of all of this, um, sort of salary unrest, whether it's union or non-union. Um, but the ports remain remarkably inefficient and, um, and the cost is going up and there are other solutions. We're going to talk about one of those solutions in another article here. And I have a feeling we're going to start to see, as we've seen in many other industries, a push towards technology to start to, um, solve some of these issues, some of the accountability issues and, um, and, uh, throughput issues, efficiency issues that, that continue to exist in logistics generally, but also in the ports, which considering the regulatory uh, and accountability metrics that they should be living up to are remarkably lax globally. And, mm. and um, so I think this is just one of those other symptoms that's going to, that's going to accelerate the path to technology. Now, the benefit that the workers have is that many ports are run by the governments who are going to, you know, resist that because it's not politically expedient to replace mm. um, human jobs. But the efficiency and effectiveness of of it undoubtedly requires more technology to to enable. So that's, you know, I think less about this particular incident, more about a lot of the incidents that we've talked about over the last several years. Yep. The shortage of labor, um, you know, the rapid 
fact, uh, the rapid uh, running away from these types of jobs that the younger generations are doing and the inevitability of technology to undertake some of these roles and, and improve the p- performance of them at the same time. Yes. Well said, Greg. Well said. I'm going to share a couple of quick comments. Hey, look quick. I th- Lee, Lee, I know you can still hear us, but maybe I thought you were hard at work uh, tackling a new supply chain headline, but I think your screen may have frozen. Hey, that happens. It's Monday. But at least the- he looks, look how intensively intellectual he looked. <laughs> yes, that so. is right. Maybe we'll see if we can't bring him in, bring him out uh, really quick. We'll check that uh, and be right back. Hey, in the meantime, uh, this gentleman here. Be I really just thought he was judging what I was saying very right. intensely. <laughs> right. I almost hope he didn't hear it. Right. <laughs> Greg, this gentleman here, get how poetic, poetic this is says words at the top of magnificent, uh, magnificence. Thank you for your enlightenment and thank you for your creative efforts. Hey, really appreciate that. Uh, David, who I think is in LA says more ports and more railways. I think he meant to say, we'll pave the way for the big three, Canada, U S and Mexico. One of the most unique, uh, trading blocks of, uh, trading partners in the entire world. The best. And it looks like we leave it. That's right, Greg. It looks like we have temporarily, Lost Lee, but we'll be bringing him back in in just Man, a minute. He's in, fact, in New York. That's right. Right. Oh, oh there he is. Woo. Hi. Sorry about that. That's <laughs> so, okay. Hey, I was about to go to Bloomberg News and see what was happening in New York. Man, <laughs> I, I was frozen, and I was trying to say I was off by a year. It was four, the contract is four years. Ah. Uh, oh. Okay. 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 And, four years. And the U.S. is six years. So maybe I was just trying to divide to get the average. But <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Average is yeah, yeah four um, years. So it's really interesting. Uh, you, one of the things you, one of the phrases you said, Lee, last few years has been like the year of labor. We should have T-shirts or something. And then Greg, of course, is referencing the wave, the tidal wave of more practical, more powerful, uh, efficient, cheaper, uh, and just more capable technology. And it's be really interesting as these two forces come together. Um, anything before we move on to the next? We had a couple of really cool stories. One t- talks about this two-step. These two forces come together in just a second. But Lee, I'm going to give you the last word on the good news, at least, that a deal has been reached and the Canadian West ports are getting unclogged. Your last word, Lee. On that, oh, I just think that uh, usually some intermodal uh, pickup, uh, you know, especially from the CP and CN, uh, which is, is good news for, for those guys. It is. It is. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Speaking of good news, Gregory, speaking of good news, folks, uh-huh. if you're on the hunt, for timely news, analysis, a practitioner takes, or a lot of the conversations we facilitate, including some of the uh, registration-only conversations, like a lot of our webinars that are really popular, join the NOW community. we got the link where you can do that so you won't miss a single thing. And Greg, uh, play up the, the FOMO effect, that fear of missing out. Your final word, Greg, before we move on to the next story. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think... Uh, people are telling us we're not <laughs> promoting this. We're the most trusted voice in supply chain. So we just want to, we want to connect all of the practitioners, all of the um, people who are doing the doing in supply chain, give them a little bit of extra value. We can't be here every day. Um, Scott could, I'm just too lazy. Um, oh, man. But there's so much more that we want to share things that are important, like I, you know, we'd love to to share some of the news like Bloomberg, like Lee and his group are uncovering at all times mm. and, uh, and, you know, give some thoughts on that. And also to have a connection between all of the practitioners out there, regardless of where you are or what you do in the industry, whether you believe that technology is inevitable or whether you believe that the labor shortage uh, is affecting you um, and whether you believe it will long term or what you're doing about any of those things. I think Mm. it's just a great opportunity to get together and share. Well said, Greg. So join in. We've got the link there in the chat and y'all click there. You want to click away. And and you know what? It's not a 18 field information or maybe 180 field information collection forms, a simple two or three fields. Easy to do. Um, All right. So let's move on to this next story. Now, Lee and Greg, get a load of this graphic uh, that the team put together here. How about that AI in action, uh, that bot in action? (laughs) Here's an interesting read for our third story. So USA Today is reporting on research conducted by the Pew Research Center focused on what jobs and tasks are most, quote, exposed by AI. So the researchers using federal data 
say that one in five U.S. workers have jobs with key tasks that are more, uh, more likely to be aided or replaced by AI. Now, they say jobs that involve critical thinking, writing, science, and math tend to be more exposed. Why did I have to study all that stuff and struggle through all, the, all that math in high school and college then? However, the research states that workers in these roles that are more familiar with AI, well, they seem to see a lot more benefit than harm. But before anyone starts fearing that the bots like this uh, bot here that's uh, kicking his heels up for a second, his or her heels up for a second, before they think the bots are coming for all of our jobs, the researchers did state that job loss re related to the emergence of new technology are usually offset by the creation of new jobs. Get this, according to census data, some 60% of workers today are employed in jobs that didn't exist in 1940. Some, goodness. 83 years ago, if my math is right. Greg, I want to get your thoughts here first on this uh, story or, and really some of the thoughts behind it. Yeah, well, uh, let me start with don't waste time fearing it because it's inevitable. So there's no reason to fear it. There is only time to, <laughs> there's only reason and time to figure out how to deal with it. Mm. First, discover how exposed your you think your job is. Um, and for instance, some of the jobs they feel are most exposed are um, any job that is repetitive and, and, um, uh, what do I want to say rigorous, mm. right? Where it has a very standard process. Although those have been under attack by what's called RPA robotic process automation for a long time, which often doesn't even consist of AI. So I, I would argue that technology generally is coming for some jobs and frankly should, because it can be done more effectively, less costly and, and, um, and more accurately and, and completely, uh, by virtue of the fact that technology never forgets a step or mm. never, um, it never interjects a, a bias that's not necessary, but we humans are great at things, physical things, and we're great at, uh, interpretive things when there is too little data, too little process, pre-existing process, right? And, and. Um, conflicting conditions that simply can't be solved by by a technology. So I would say first, accept, right? And then second, get to work finding a job where that that human gift, that gift of making life and death or business life and death decisions with too little or inaccurate data are necessary and and start building your career towards those kind of things. Or some of the physical jobs that are, uh, I think, going to be assisted by AI, but still right. conducted by human beings. And I got to tell you about this one young man that I've known since he was a little kid. My friend, Alan Helt, his son, Andrew, um, decided not to go to college. Mike Rowe has got to be loving that, right? The dirty <laughs> jobs guy. Right. Decided not to go to college. Is he's becoming a professional um, electrician. And he'll probably wind up making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year because people are staying away from those jobs in droves. And those jobs, while they can be assisted by AI, meaning training in the field, here's what you need to do, but a human yep. still needs to do that. Um, those kind of jobs are plentiful and in great need. Well, let me assure you, try to get an electrician or right. a plumber. <laughs> right. Or an HVAC person in the dead of summer or a roofer after uh, this rainstorm that's about to hit Lee's house. So <laughs> Wait, I, uh, actually, I actually have a confession to make. I'm, I'm a, uh, an AI bot. Just, I, <laughs> I thought there was a similarity yeah. between this graphic and Lee Klaskow. I knew it. Yeah. All you got to do is put your feet up. Rise of the machine. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Um, Both have the Lee. same hairline. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking of hair, Lee, that's what makes it so realistically. Take. Yeah, that's right. Uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of hair, uh, in the the article from the in the research from Pew Research Center. Now, I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina, getting my hair cut. My dad would take me to a, a, a gentleman's by the name of Elmo, Elmo the barber. Right, and barbers are one of the least disruptive roles, most protected roles that is no, that AI is not going to be replacing anytime soon. So Elmo and Mr. Bird and all these other barbers out there doing good work. Net took to quote, Greg, never fear, never fear. Yeah. All right, Lee, we covered a lot of ground there, uh, but talk about what you, what the article or the research, what Greg said, would you tend to agree? 
Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I think AI right now, and again, I'm not a technologist or a futurist or anything like that. I think technology <laughs> is the blockchain of today. And if you remember seven years ago, it was a blockchain is going to change the world. And right. there's definitely some applications where it works. But the way the world was talking, it was going to be everywhere. You know, like you'd go turn around and you'd be at the supermarket and you'd be dealing with blockchain. Uh, but that didn't pan out. Right. Um, and but 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 blockchain does work for certain aspects. I think AI is the same thing. I think it, I think, you know, in, in, and again, I'm not a technologist or a futurist, but like machine learning and AI. Yeah, these are all incrementally um, good things. Um, I think that if they don't if they're not checked and regulated, I, I think it can be a bad thing. So I do think that, you know, uh, the federal government has to step in and say, you know, if you are using AI, you know, you, you have to tell people that it's AI versus versus a human. Um, because, you know, I think that that's important. Um, but to, but to, to Greg's point, like, you know, as some jobs are, are, are going to be more susceptible to it. You know, I know over the, the next 10 years, assuming I'm still doing what I'm doing, I will probably use more AI in my day to day. It'll make me more productive and smarter and maybe even better looking. I don't know. But, um, you know, but I will definitely be leveraging it. But I don't think it's going to necessarily take over my my, my job um, mm. because at the end of the, the, the day, a lot of people's jobs are is, is dealing with people. Right. It, it's mm. not just computer on computer. It's it's people on people. So, uh, you know, I think that to, to Greg's uh, point that, you know, if you want to learn a trade that you're obviously going, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I had an electrician come to my house to change a light bulb and that's not a joke. Um, <laughs> um, um, but uh, uh, we, we can go Man, more. But it was a we, very special light bulb. Let's go. It was, yeah. it was an LED light bulb. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, yeah, I, I it was, was like, it was in your 27 foot store for your, yeah. right. You have yeah. Oscar, the barber. I had Oscar. You had Elmo, the barber. Elmo, I, have, yeah. I have Oscar, the electrician. So he came over. He, he loves us because he's like, you know, this is the easiest money. Anyway, um, right. but, but, you know, <laughs> but those kind of trades are, are obviously a lot more protective. You know, uh, I'm reading probably the same things you're reading. They're saying, you know, there's some aspects of law that could be taken over by AI and, and accounting. Um, so, right. you know, we'll see where it plays out. Whatever the world is telling you and the headlines is telling you, I would discount that by 80%. Okay. Just in terms of what the real world application is going to end up being. I think it's going to touch our everyone's lives and make us all more productive. Um, but I don't think I'm going to be sitting next to a, a robot um, anytime soon. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I like how you look over your shoulder as you say that. You yeah. never know. Yeah. You never know, Greg and Lee. Hey, really quick, Martin, you bet. Uh, great to have you here, and you're welcome for this information and the analysis. Uh, Catherine shares, hello, Lee. Great to hear your views here. And David makes a great point. Smart home technology is already here. Absolutely. Been here for years. Um, okay. Not so, AI, though. That's right. Good point. It's not right? AI. Just that's like right. Siri is not AI, which is something that often surprises people. More folks should know. More folks should know. And if you got it, if 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 you don't know, reach out to Greg White, and he will count the ways. I'll do what um, Lee's doing right now. Uh, <laughs> four years. No, no, no. Um, all right, so folks, we got one more great read uh, to get. I thought a great read to get into, and that comes to us from our friends at Retail Dive. And this article is focused on headwinds and tailwinds for retailers as we move into. Not only back to school, my kids are already back to school, back to school, and of course, a holiday season. But, folks, Greg, Lee, everyone out there, you got to yeah. throw out the numbers from recent, more unique holiday seasons. We can't rely on what consumers did during lockdowns, the hoarding months, the peak inflation periods. So, getting down to brass tacks, uh, this article states first, the good inflation is down, consumer sentiment is up, UPS strike averted, Greg, as we boldly predicted, consumers. Finally, what's what's good, I guess, consumers desperately want a return to normal, although I would say we're, we're not going to get that. Uh, then some of, the, some of the challenges, consumers are demanding deals as inflation has retreated, as both Greg and Lee touched on. And some see the end of student loan forgiveness, those dollars that are going to now be going into student loan repayments as eating into retail spend. So, Lee, I want to start with you. What are some of your thoughts as we head into the holiday season? 
Yeah, so when we look at demand, just in generally speaking, whether it's consumer demand, industrial demand, so no matter what mode, I mean, the, the, the name of the game really is normalization, right? So from those unsustainable, creamy peaks that we had in demand and rates, everything's coming back down to what we'll call normal. And some of it's becoming a new normal, some of it's just regular old-fashioned vanilla normal. Um, <laughs> so with the peak season, you know, we're when we talk to companies, you know, a lot of them are telling us that destocking is kind of over. Uh, we just met with someone from uh, DHL today and, you know, that was their message. But but a lot of companies aren't seeing restocking yet. You know, our call going into the fourth quarter and into, um, you know, into peak season is that we are going to see an uplift in seasonal demand. Not Not a peak, you know, not a speed bump, but just like a slowly increase in demand. So, the reason for that is a lot of things that we discussed, lower inventory levels, the consumer is, is pretty resilient and pretty strong. And uh, the fact that last year, there was absolutely no seasonality. Uh, and so you have all those things together, the normal is coming back. Uh, and so that's what works, you know, and then what, what does that mean? Well, you know, it'll probably benefit air freight more than ocean freight because, you know, uh, if, if somebody needs something, a retailer, and they're just like, oh my God, we got to fill up the inventory quick because we're seeing these positive trends. Um, you know, this is a what if uh, scenario. You know, they're going to obviously bring stuff in from Asia on, on an airplane because going on a boat takes too long. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, th there could be winners and losers. Um, you know, the expedited folks would probably be more winners, the FedExes and the UPSs of the world. Um, and, y you know, at the end of the day, LTL. It's probably not going to benefit from it. Uh, parts of truckload, depending on who your customer is, you, you'll benefit from it. Uh, all that being said, you know, spot rates in the truckload market, they appear to bottom. Um, we're maybe a little more bullish thinking that things are going to start the spot market and the truckload market because of these patterns that I'm, I'm, I'm we're laying out. You know, you could see, you know, spot market rates start slowly uh, increase. And we're not talking crazy numbers. We're just talking a slow increase. And that right. should set up a, a pretty good 2024 on a contractual basis, you know, where you saw rates down as much as uh, low double digits. Um, you know, you could see, you know, rate uh, contractual rates uh, increase next year. Very nice. So Lee, uh, um, an analogy there is uh, Greg, as he referenced kind of like a slow little uplift. It's like kind of like uh, Joe Montana pass them on. You know, Joe Montana didn't have an arm, but boy, he could put that ball in a nice little lob like nobody else in football, at least throughout the 80s. Uh, Greg, your thoughts, So We were talking about headwinds and tailwinds for retailers. Lee weighed in. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, I think Dwight Clark would argue whether <laughs> Montana had an arm because that was a bullet that he caught. Okay. The, All right. Fair enough. Game. Fair enough. But, he had but two that arms. Was a rare, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a rare instance. Um, yeah, I think... Um, you know, I think it's really easy to get confused by terminology, right? Inflation is down, meaning it's no longer at nine or 11% mm. or whatever it peaked at and whichever standard you use. Um, but it is still excessive and it still is years from coming down and recognize that we've also had incredible inflation since 2021. So, um, the, you know, the impact has gone up and up and up, uh, U.S. in the U.S. credit card debt hit another record. Almost 50% of all Americans rely on um, credit cards to pay their monthly bills, according right. to, uh, you know, 1031. This Anyway, another research organization. Um, and um, a huge part, a huge portion of millennials and zennials, almost 50% of them um, use credit card debt for daily expenses. Um, and, um, almost every American, well, sorry, no, a majority of Americans, not almost every, sorry, that's a different stat. A majority <laughs> of Americans have missed a credit card payment in the mm. last year. So, um, I think there are some contraindicators that say that while consumer sentiment is high, their flexibility is relatively low because of the overhang of credit card debt, which is exceedingly expensive. Um, and, um, I hope, I hope, cause there are a lot of economists also who believe that people will be done spending other people's money by the end of this year. I hope they don't spend it all at Christmas, but I do hope everybody gets a good Christmas or holiday <laughs> season of their 
respective beliefs. Um, and, um, and I think that we'll start to see the rubber meet the road next year sometime. I'm not saying that's a recession again, not an economist, but accurate, almost as accurate, um, which is almost never. And, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would, I would say that there is so much conflicting data in, in at least the U S marketplace that it's, it's going to be interesting, but at least it does feel to Lee's point. It does feel like the retailers are on sound, more sound footing than they have been in the past. Yep. And, um, that's, that's great for the marketplace. So, and, and some of them are starting to employ much, much more modern means of identifying what demand will be. So I think they won't get out of alignment as much out of alignment as they were when I bought lots of patio furniture for 70% off at the beginning of 2021 or whatever it was. Love it. Uh, Greg and Lee retail is a fascinating, it's fascinating study, especially the last three or four years. Um, T squared says, Hey, be on the lookout for greedflation though. Greedflation T squared. You have to drop more color commentary. Okay. Yes. Share, share that with us, Tyrone. (laughs) Right. Hey, I would just add a couple things here. Uh, first off, contra indicators. Greg, what a word. I feel like I've got to go back and get a uh, Well, I've been PhD. watching Lee a lot. So okay. I, I have expanded my vocabulary. <laughs> I'm going to have to, to keep up with the two of y'all. Uh, and then going back to what um, uh, I'm a I'm a big lover of Briar's vanilla ice cream. So Lee, when you talked about yeah. old-fashioned vanilla normal, hey, it hits home with me any day of the week. Love a great, in, a great uh, example of shrinkflation there. Not only okay. has the price gone up oh, double yes. on my favorite, but the size has gone down and probably for good. We'll never see a half gallon of ice cream ever again in certain brands. So true, Greg. So true. Uh, one last thing, and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Lee. And by the way, Catherine and Amanda, thanks for all that you've done. We're going to close out with Lee in the shot uh, or, or with us here today. Um, folks, you better be lifting weights and taking your vitamins because I'd predict during retail season coming up, there's going to be, you could have a buggy full of stuff, but you're going to be self-checking buggy. all that stuff through because uh, workers will be very, it won't be a whole bunch of lines open. So be ready. Uh, make buggy sure is you, what he calls a cart, everybody. Okay. All right. right. <laughs> all right. So speaking of Lee, class cow, uh, logistics Lee, <laughs> LK3000 with an update coming to 4000 to a mark to the market soon lee always a pleasure i always feel like i leave these conversations at least i for one even smarter after we've had an hour long chat with you lee so let's make sure folks know how to connect with you i know that you're you do a lot of keynotes you're invited in for a lot of different interviews a lot of different events how can folks connect with you and the good people over at bloomberg intelligence yeah um so a lot of the work that i do the research that we do uh, you know it goes on the bloomberg terminal uh which is a subscription uh, and then some of that gets feed into the dot-com product. So Bloomberg.com, um, you know, you'll see a lot of my uh, my, my research work reference uh, by our reporters uh, with the stuff that you read, uh, Bloomberg News on, on Bloomberg.com. So, you know, that's one area. Uh, I'm pretty active on uh, LinkedIn um, and I'm on X, I guess we're calling it now. Uh, at, at logistically, hence, you know, right down there, logistically. Um, so please follow me. I'd like to get the thousand followers. I feel like a kind of like a loser. Like I just can't get that high. Um, so anyway, um, but uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Um, you know, I think they're, uh, I think they've been great and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys again real time soon. Lee, I, I'm with you. I always enjoy it. You're, you're one of the best out there. Uh, I know what you're talking about. One, one of the um, best. Oh, oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, man. what are you talking about, Greg? Logistically, <laughs> man. Come on, man. Oh gosh, I'm gonna go hide after this show. My bad, Lee. My bad, my bad. Hey, Greg. Before we sign yeah. off, and and folks, I want to officially thank Lee Klaskow, senior analyst, uh, transportation and logistics at Bloomberg Intelligence, one of our dear friends here. Greg, before we wrap here, uh, what's one thing, one favorite thing you heard here today, or one thing folks gonna keep their their eye on the ball about? Uh, before yeah. we sign off, your final thought. Yeah, one thing um, people need to hear is if they aren't following Lee on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, they ought to be because uh, you're following me and he knows a lot more than I do. So follow <laughs> Lee and get, get the right answer. It's Love my, that. That's my suggestion. No, uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, I think, look, 
I, I think what this enunciates, Lee in particular, I think you help us enunciate how important supply chain is to the broader uh, economy of the world, not just of the U.S. and not just of retail or manufacturing or distribution, but to the uh, supply chain of the world because everything comes from somewhere and it all lands somewhere. Mm. So even the Bloomberg terminal, which if you can afford it, let me assure you, you can't. But if you could afford it, you should have one at home. I would love to have one at home. They are, it's an incredible, it's the staple of trading floors, hedge funds, all kinds of financial organizations, banks all over the world. It is the standard for, for that, that kind of information. Um, so if you can, if you can get yourself one, uh, and the, and, and when you look at it, when you look at the news, uh, in general, you can see how much of it, and especially now, since the word is being used supply chain, you can see how much of it is tied into supply chain. I think this is a great example of that. I really thank you, Lee, for coming through and setting us straight. That's right. Yeah. And I also add, uh, to plug my friends at news, they have a, a daily supply chain newsletter that they put out. Um, and they usually, uh, you can get that on bloomberg.com. Um, and just search supply chain. You, you should be able to find it. It's one of their newsletters. That, uh, and, and that's, uh, I think it's free if you subscribe to the dot-com product. Well said, Lee. Well, uh, speaking of resources, the last couple minutes, lot tons of resources. And Lee asks, and you shall receive. Michelle says, hey, gave you a follow at X, Lee. How there you about go. that? Uh, that's awesome. Uh, the movers and shakers, just to finish that thought, the movers and shakers out there across the globe, when something happens, First thing they say is, where's my Bloomberg terminal is what I'm hearing. So who, who knows? Maybe we'll be one of those soon and have access. But hey, Greg White, <laughs> Lee Klaskow, excellent conversation here today. Thanks for you both. Folks, make sure you connect with Lee and Greg and follow them, send them questions, you name it. Uh, two of the brightest folks I know. Uh, big thanks again, Catherine and Amanda, behind the scenes. All of you folks, I know we could hit all of your comments and questions. Thanks for for turning out. We got the smartest audience in the globe. And with all of that said, with all that said, hey, do yourself a favor. Take something that Greg or Lee said here today. Put it in a headlock. Take action. Deeds, not words. And on that note, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenge you. Do good. Give forward and be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.